Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, I am your host, Chad Michael Boughton. Thank you guys so much for clicking on a brand new episode of the Unsighted Radio. Whether it's a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening, I hope you guys are doing well and you are feeling fine. All right. Well, before we start this episode, as always, I got to say, if you know anybody that would like to listen to this podcast, please do recommend it to them. Let them know that we are available on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. It's the Unsighted Radio. When you do recommend it, though, let them know that Unsighted, it is spelt U-N. S, Y as in Yankee, T-E-D, The Unsighted Radio. I do hope you will become a member of the Unsighted Army. Well, all right. We have a great new episode today. This is a guest that I've wanted on the show for quite some time. Obviously, uh, if you don't know, um, where have you been? Because I've been talking about gaming on this podcast for quite some time now. And this guest is someone that I really do admire, um, whose work that he does that I, I look to when it comes to, should I buy a game? Is it going to be accessible for me? He's definitely someone that I go to and would recommend for, uh, especially visually impaired gamers. It is the great and powerful sightless combat. Hello, great and powerful. That's a new one. <laughs> Hello, thank you so much for having me on, Chad. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to have me on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Well, it means a lot for you to uh, take time out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk to me. Like I just said in the intro, you know, I I watch your videos a lot when it comes to games that I should maybe give a crack and. It was um, your your Forza, your Horizon videos that uh, eventually made me go, you know what? I'm going to buy the Xbox Series X. Ah, okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was a that was an interesting video to to make. And by the way, I really appreciate your, your kind words and compliments as to my content. It, it means a heck of a lot. And uh, yeah, the, the Horizon uh, video was interesting because, of course, you know, the, there's a lot of uh, differing definitions of accessibility mm-hmm. of you know play uh, playability approachability all sorts of things that figure into it uh, but for those that don't know me i am sightless combat mostly shortened down to sightless combat or sk and uh, i am an accessibility consultant content creator and currently accessible gaming officer with rnib that is royal national institute of blind people that is the sightless charity in the uk and you know currently uh, home to the Design for Every Gamer initiative, the DFEG, as we call it. And uh, that is a rallying cry to the industry to try and raise awareness of how to make games more accessible for gamers without sight, because I have absolutely no sight whatsoever. And of course, across the spectrum of sight loss as well, uh, because, you know, why not have everybody playing your games regardless of their level of vision? So <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a, a brief intro to me. I mean, it's awesome that you are so closely affiliated with the RNIB. Um, I myself owe a lot of my early success and introduction to knowing that my voice has power due to the RNIB. Um, It was actually their Connect Radio, um, Paulina over at RNIB Connect Radio, that Uh gave me my first shot at um, 
recording something and actually talking about accessibility in gaming. So I, I tip my hat to RNIB a lot and I always shout them out when I can because I owe well, I basically owe this career that I have now to them, even if they don't want to think so. <laughs> yeah, wow. No, it's great to hear that that's kind of kickstarted you into doing what you do now. And uh, speaking of that, I, I said about content creation earlier, and you've, you've already mentioned my videos. Uh, but in terms of that, I do stream for RNIB as well, as as well as in sort of my personal time. Uh, and I stream how, you know, I play video games, whether that's with sighted assistance, whether that's solo, whether that's, you know, via mods, that kind of thing, depending on the game, of course. But I also write accessibility reviews. So the Forza Horizon coverage I did for that video was kind of part of the review process as well, uh, you know, putting together a first impressions uh, piece or, well, not a first impressions piece, putting together a piece that allowed me to say to people, look, this is, you know, there are flaws here, but this is an accessible racing game to an extent, uh, you know, without sight. It's, it's, the, it's the most accessible racing game yet. Uh, and of course, you know, with Forza coming out later this year, it's going to be very interesting to see how that works out in terms of how what improves, you know, how it all plays firsthand. That yeah, that's I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that that's going to be very exciting to see how that comes along. Yeah, or also doing a crazy playthrough of God of War Ragnarok on the hardest difficulty. <laughs> Why I did that, I will still never understand. I was like, I'm going to play this. Don't give me God of War, and then it was like, oh. Uh, what have I got myself into? I mean, I knew, I knew it was going to be hard. It was going to be, uh, you know, a very interesting challenge. But it was, it was good to be able to say, I've beaten these enemies or this berserker or whatever on this hardest difficulty. And they're like, wait, you can't see, and you've done that. I'm like, yeah, here's the footage. <laughs> <laughs> In so case you don't believe. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. And that's the thing. That's been one of the the big uh, things over the past several years. Even since I started doing all of this, it was a matter of, you know sometimes you just have to show people because mm -hmm. you can say, you know, oh, I play video games without sight. You know, I've never had any sight. I play video games. And they're like, huh? How, how does that work? <laughs> you know, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, right, here, watch. And then I just, you know, show video footage or I'm in a, a live session at, say, Guerrilla Games. That was a fun uh, session to work on doing Horizon Forbidden West stuff uh... several years ago. That was where I first played God of War, actually, because the game had just come out at that point and I played it alongside other people who were helping me because I'd never played a game like that before. You know, never had to have my shield up and then block and then retaliate and be like, you know, I know what I'm doing here, but I clearly didn't at the time. <laughs> um, you know, fast forward to now where, you know, Valkyries have been slain, Berserkers have been taken on. Um, I've had sighted assistance. I'm not going to say that God of War Ragnarok is fully playable. Mm -hmm. Currently it isn't, unfortunately, but... Uh, you know, there are community efforts to work around that to an extent, and we hope that the developers uh, manage to possibly update the game in the future. But, you know, stay tuned on that as to whether that may or may not happen. But it's always good to be able to, you know, see the improvements mm -hmm. throughout the industry over the past several years. Oh, yeah. And you and you definitely proved to the developers, like, here, here, here are some workarounds, and uh, maybe you can improve upon them and actually make them into full accessible features. But yeah, sometimes that happens. Like mm -hmm. with with God of War, that did happen as well. Mm -hmm. So my work on that game started really through streaming the 2018 original. I say original depends on how you look at originals and reboots and mm -hmm. sequels and things. But we're we're not going to go into that. But 
I streamed God of War 2018, 100% the Platinum, you know, the lot, alongside the wonderful Genissary, who now works at Descriptive Video Works, mm -hmm. as of last year, this year, you know, recently. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we worked together on that, and that was so much fun, because it was a matter of working out, you know, what she needed to cue me for in terms of combat. So, like, clear left, clear right, you know, unblockable, th those kinds of things. The little tiny cues that, you know, you don't understand that they, they need to exist until you're suddenly in the middle of a fight with an enemy that's throwing fire everywhere. And it's like, where are we clear? You know, what, what do I need to do? You know, where is safe in this giant arena that is now covered in flames? And, you know, being able to then say, you know, to developers, you know, inside and outside of, of God of War, here's what we need. Unblockables, parry cues, you know, area clears, lock on, all those kinds of small things that you might not expect but are very very useful indeed and then i got to do first impressions for ragnarok for the review period and you know show that menu narration was in or, or see that it was in mm -hmm. uh, you know see that menu narration was in and then you know do the review and say to people look this is you know accessible with sighted assistance but mm -hmm. it's not flawless unfortunately but it's a massive improvement which is the the key takeaway to get from Ragnarok I think it's a, a huge improvement over the 2018 the 2018 reboot mm -hmm. so yeah it's great to be able to say that and to be able to say that I've worked on a on a God of War game like that that's huge yeah. Like, yeah I've worked on this I'm in the credits and they're like you're not <laughs> and yeah. then it's like yeah go to the do the the ending sequence and then scroll through the credits and you will see you will see me hello yes <laughs> that's awesome but yeah so um, tell me a little bit about your lived experience with disability. Uh, you, you mentioned that you are completely blind, so meaning that you can't see anything at all. But um, I, I'm just interested. Were you blind from birth? Did you go blind later yeah. on in life? Yeah, I've never had any sight whatsoever. And there's an interesting thing around terminology as well, because I've I use the term gamer without sight, mm -hmm. you know, through all of my branding, and that's because mm -hmm. legal blindness often just shortened to being blind. Can right. often does include usable and or residual vision, which I've yes. never had. Right. And even now, I've still got people occasionally asking me, so how much can you see? Even after I've said all that, and I'm, I'm saying, you know, I've just told you, <laughs> I have no sight. That's it. That is me. And uh, yes, yeah, so I've never had any sight at all. But that's, it's always an interesting thing because, you know, people say, oh, would you like to have sight? And I'm like, well, maybe, but it's, you know, I now live in this world and I solely, this is the sole way I understand it. Mm -hmm. If I were to have sight back, it would be a whole different thing, you know, and I'd have to adapt differently and it, it, it gets very complicated. So, mm -hmm. you know, I am happy having no sight and seeing the progress that is being made as things go on, really. You know, it takes time. It's not as fast as we'd like. I think any of us would like, but it's happening slowly but surely. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> tell me, what started the love of video games? Uh because obviously it's pretty much your life nowadays. So I'm wondering, was this something from an early age? So I started playing video games from a very young age. I can't even remember when I started, really. I played PC games, mainstream PC games. And because I didn't know that screen readers existed, how they worked, or any of that, I just started pressing buttons and hoping. I remember one of the games I used to play was Fighter Pilot. Way back oh, wow. When. And the funniest part of that was I was literally nosediving a plane into unseen territory. <laughs> so, 
you know, I went on from there, you know, dissatisfied with my ability to progress really, or not understanding that I wasn't progressing, but just being like, I want to play other games. Mm-hmm. And so I went from there to audio only games. I was introduced to those and those were cool. And, you know, things like Grizzly Gold Western Extravaganza, which still hasn't aged terribly. I mean, it's cheesy. <laughs> it's an arguable cult classic, depending on who you ask. I enjoy the ridiculousness of it, you know, for what it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, equally, there is the, the side of it where, you know, gamers with sight can't enjoy that when it's just a black screen and a logo. So, <laughs> so then I went from audio only games like Grizzly Gold, Shades of Doom, you know, GMA Tank Commander. Uh, the the BSC title was the Blind mm-hmm. Software Company title, so True Freedom Two, Pipe Two, Blast Chamber, all of those kinds of games. Uh, I went back into kind of console games to PlayStation One titles, so fighting games, you know, Street <laughs> Fighter, uh, EX Plus Alpha, Tekken Three, those kinds of games where sighted people could engage with me. Not that I was necessarily very good, and uh, you know, the thing was. Uh, the one of the big accessibility barriers, which I didn't know, of course, was an accessibility barrier at the time, was that move lists are or were back in those days all color coded or you know very hard to translate yeah. if you didn't know what the control schemes were. So it'd be like two arrows and a green foot. It's like, what does two arrows and a green foot mean? <laughs> I don't know. Or you know, three arrows in a different configuration and a, and a red fist. And it's like, what does that mean? I don't know. And the thing was, I was around people who had no idea what those meant either. So <laughs> we, we were stuck. And this was before, you know, I really understood that, you know, game facts might have existed or game FAQs <laughs> and, you know, those kinds of things. So I had no real way other than just kind of trying to learn via sort of pushing buttons and again, seeing what happens, if you'll pardon the, the slight pun. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's very much a barrier that I didn't know existed that did exist. But it was still a lot of fun doing moves and then being like, how did I do that? Oh, I don't know. I think it was these several thousand buttons. I have no idea. So, yeah, it, it got very fun uh, in its own way. But then I moved from you know that through various iterations of Xboxes, Playstations, Nintendo, Wii, you know, all, all kinds of different things, PC games, to where I am now, where... We have the PS5 and Xbox Series X that both have narrated interfaces. You've got things like Steam Deck that can run Windows. You've got the Asus ROG or ROG Ally, you know, that can run Windows as well. Uh, I haven't personally tried one of those yet. I'm looking to to have a look at one of those because apparently they're really good as well, the uh, Allies. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're in a very interesting time and where the games are becoming more and more accessible, though, of course, there is still a massive gap between where we want to be and where we are as well. So that's kind of my gaming history in a nutshell, I suppose. When, when did you, because, you know, you you upload onto YouTube, you, you stream. Is that something that's recent or was that something you were doing prior to the work that you do as a consultant now? Uh, it kind of came around the same time. I, I started, you know, one of my first videos showing off the interactivity cues in Mortal Kombat X, it would have been then. Uh, was about eight years ago now, Mm -hmm. which seems surreal to think. Uh, And I started posting accessibility reviews around the same time. And my my reason for starting all of that off was basically I'd seen tons of unboxing videos and it just popped into my head. I was like, hold on. If I were to get one of these products through, how would I know what to do to unbox it? Like if I didn't have any assistance, 
what would I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I would be stuck just ripping and tearing until it is done. No, uh, <laughs> making a Doom reference, why not? Uh, you know, I would be stuck, you know, tearing off seals and seeing what happens. But what if that wasn't the case? What if that didn't need to happen? So I started writing unboxings uh, and seeing how I got on with it, you know, in terms of a writing down of an instruction sort of process. Mm-hmm. So it was the idea was if I got a product through, what would I need to do to unbox it, set it up, get it running? And I remember one of the first big breaks I got with that. I did unboxing sort of off my own back, getting uh, very kindly offered hardware and things from various companies and, and clients I managed to get in contact with at the time. But one of my big breaks was when I got into contact with Microsoft mm. and they were kind enough to send me the Xbox One uh, S Gears of War 4 limited uh... edition bundle, the one with all the uh, claw marks on it. If you've never felt one or seen one up close, depending on how you want to use your your wording, I would highly recommend it. There's a really cool looking console. I know it's several years old now and the, the actual internals aren't necessarily up to spec, but if you ever get to see one, they are very, very coolly designed. And I got to review that and uh, that was apparently sent round to various internal folks as well and uh, very well received, I heard afterwards, which was amazing. So being able to say, look, if you bought one of these off of Amazon, Game, wherever, whatever your retailer of choice is, here's how you would unbox it, set it up, power it on, any issues I encountered. And bear in mind, this was around the time when, you know, Narrator was still fairly new to the Xbox ecosystem. So, you know, it was a matter of working all that out, trying to get it all sorted. It's nowhere near as, it, it was nowhere near as tightly, as, ah, it was nowhere near as tightly integrated as it is now. Sorry, I'll try that once more. You're fine. It was nowhere near as tightly integrated as it is now. So I had to work all of that out, figure out how to, you know, download all of my games without assistance, because before I'd had either assistance or the Xbox Smart Glass feature or whatever it was called. There was a, a way you could download via the Xbox app back in the day. Similar to what you can do now with the Game Pass uh, sort of pre-installs or installs. Uh, but we were able to do that via you know voiceover accessible mm-hmm. controls back then so it's a very interesting kind of different time but that was why i started doing it and then i started uploading youtube videos because you know sometimes even if you say here's how you turn on a feature or off a feature you don't know quite how it works or what it's meant to sound like mm-hmm. so having that footage there to show people oh this is what i do you know and it was a good test of my ability to you know video edit or trying to learn how to video edit with Windows Movie Maker. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Windows Movie Maker, Elgato uh, HD, uh, Elgato Game Capture HD, the the USB version of the capture cards from back in the day. So it was just really a a way of an extra avenue for content, really. And uh, those Mm -hmm. proved useful because then I could say to people, here's me playing Killer Instinct or Mortal Kombat, whatever. If I hadn't have done those back in the day, I wouldn't have the... 150 odd killer instinct ranked videos <laughs> that i do now i think it's 150 or something it's it's a lot and you get to see me go from getting my everything kicked in to <laughs> to doing huge giant combos in like the last few matches I, I did on those on those videos back in the day so it's a very cool way to be able to show this is my progression because of audio design and mm-hmm. accessibility and other other things yeah, that's that's awesome, and you know, fighting games are. It's so interesting the evolution of fighting games because you know, 
fighting genre has kind of always been accessible in, in a weird way. But then obviously, you know, now, you know, if, if you've been on Twitter recently, you've seen the announcement <laughs> of Nether Realm um, and the new Mortal Kombat 1 actually being like full accessible. Um, but, we you know, we don't know all the accessibility options. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but all um, the ins and outs of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how that works. Your point of fighting games have always been accessible. I'm personally slightly opposed to that, not completely. Okay. Uh, just because mono only fighting games, so like the, the Tekken franchise is one that comes to mind, though I'm not trying to throw shade at that game series <laughs> specifically. You know, games like that where it's specifically mono fighting, of course, you know, back in the day before, you know, I used a stereo setup and everything and games were just mono for fighters. It wasn't really a, an issue that came to light. Mm. But if you go, you know, modern day now, you've got stuff like Mortal Kombat 9, X, 11, MK1, Soul Calibur to an extent. You know, you've got all those games doing the Soul Still Burns, um, oh, as they say. It's a great series. <laughs> Indeed. Transcending History in the World, A Tale of Souls and Swords, Eternally Retold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, with the, the whole mono fighting game thing, it's I've heard a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you can play mono fighting games. I, you know, I can play mono fighting games as well, but I personally don't find it as straightforward or enjoyable myself because you then have no sense of where you are. So left, you know, mono and stereo, you have left and right channels right. and, you know, for stereo and you're able to tell I am on the left or on the right of the screen and how close you are to your opponent at least to rough degrees depending on the game mm -hmm. whereas mono you are essentially guessing and just hoping that you're blocking the correct way right. depending on right. depending on every situation possible but that's not to say of course that fighting games as a concept haven't been accessible you've got stuff like the old street fighter games where they had you know limited stereo way back when i've played you know re-releases of those older games where they've had stereo implemented as well and they've been quite fun not mm. ideal because of course the, those older implementations weren't as smooth but they worked they were they were interesting i remember playing I think it was street fighter alpha 3 or one of those games online and that was that was absolute chaos uh absolute <laughs> chaos in the best way it was like where am i i don't know oh my word hit him with the thing <laughs> hit him with the super oh did i win no uh, how are you still alive so it's all the you know it's all of those things happening at once which is a lot of fun i personally moved away from fighting games because mm. you know i enjoy the action combat kind of single player side of it i enjoy the multiplayer side of it as well where you're not just punching the other person in the face you are helping you know, one, two, three, <laughs> or four other people to do a thing. So if you've ever seen me play Gears 5, uh, the most recent entry in Gears of Wars, uh, long storied franchise, um, with that, you know, I enjoy helping people, not just gamers without sight, because I've played alongside, you know, nearly entire squads with uh, no sight. But I've also played as sort of a contributor to teams as well, where, you know, we've had a full squad of, sighted people and i'm like yeah can i can i join in and they're like yeah sure so and then i'm just sitting at the back sniping enemies i'm like yeah this is cool and one and two how did i miss that shot oh there we go there yeah so it, get, it gets very good fun that or sea of thieves of course if you're into pirates and sometimes more peaceful gameplay that depends who you run into on the sea of thieves <laughs> or, or if you just want to go fishing fishing's doable cannons are doable Helm is doable, but you will still need a crew. 
and that's what a lot of people have asked me recently. They said, oh, how accessible is Sea of Thieves? I'm like, not currently as good as it can be, but the team are working on it. And that's that's one of the great things. I was actually in the credits for that game as well. I was in the in the documentary recently, Voyage of a Lifetime, for the five-year anniversary. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And yeah, to be able to show you know accessibility on that bigger platform is is fantastic mm. and you know i could tell you stories on the sea of thieves of things where you know i've heard a noise and they're like how did you oh okay that was just a sound cue fine or you know i'm watching out for storms i'm like storm medium distance on the port side and they're like oh yeah yeah <laughs> didn't see that thanks so <laughs> or you know any, any number of things like that where i've where i've helped out or you know, I'm helping fire cannons or catching fish while they're on a voyage. All sorts of fun things. Yeah, that you know, obviously for those who don't know about Sea of Thieves, uh, it's made by Rare. Obviously, formerly Rareware. Yep. Maybe you've heard of some of their games, like uh, I don't know, Banjo Kazooie, Conquerors, <laughs> Bad for or Goldeneye, Day. a little, Gold, a little game yeah. called Goldeneye '64. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, fun, fun, uh, fun story. Actually, we've said about Killer Instinct, and we've said about Rare. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I actually met Ken Lobb, the wonderful Ken Lobb, oh, wow. on at least two separate occasions. On the two I'm thinking of, though, I actually fought him in Killer Instinct, the reboot, <laughs> and uh, beat him twice. That's uh, awesome. As in, in two separate sets. One was uh, nine matches to eight, and one was five matches to four after I came from 4-2 down to not only win the set, but win very kindly the controller that he brought to play the set. Oh, that's awesome. Well. So we go into the last match, like the 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 four all, and I'm like, you know, this is for the set. And he says, and for the controller? I'm like, no. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, 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 kept, he kept good on that. And uh I beat him, won his controller off him. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that was and that was in person as well. This was pre-pandemic, those two uh match uh sets. They were they were very good fun. And if you want to see the archives of the the matches, not the actual like any filmed footage of us playing it live, but if you want to see the in-game footage of the matches themselves, you can go and find those on my on my YouTube channel if you want to see how it how it all played out. <laughs> that's that's so awesome. And and, and it's so cool to see a company like Rare, who obviously I grew up on their games on the 64. Uh, it you know before I started losing my vision to um, Retinitis Pigmentosa, and it's just cool to see them be committed to accessibility. And like you said, you know, Sea of Thieves isn't perfect, but just their commitment to working on it continuously and adding new stuffs over and over having it put on the website so that you know what's there. It's just, I, I really appreciate their commitment and their just continuous work on, on their games. And it, it just makes it nice to know that like a company that I've been playing since I was a, a little kid um, is still in my, <laughs> it is still in my life as a gamer. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sea of Thieves as well. Just being able to just go yar all the time and just, <laughs> you know, incoming fire on the starboard side and all of that. That's, it's just so much fun to be able to be a part of that. And the fact that it's improving time after time, you know, helm narrator, uh, not helm narration, helm wheel cues were added in, you know, to indicate where you were steering, not just thanks to me, but thanks to a fellow pirate as well, the wonderful Shasters, uh -huh. who is a fellow pirate legend on the Sea of Thieves and Gamer Without Sight. We actually pushed each other in the in the best way possible to pirate legend. 
because uh, I got a message from Shay one day saying, I am XYZ level in this faction now. And I thought, how have you managed to get to that level that quickly? Because to the best of my knowledge, she hadn't played for a long time or hardly at all. And I thought, how have you managed to get that high that quickly in terms of your levels? And it turned out she'd power leveled through a sort of event weekend. And I was like, it's on now because I was you know, <laughs> nearly getting into Pirate Legends. And or I was sort of getting there. I was I was in sort of high thirties, low forties out of fifty for three of the factions I needed to level up. And we then sort of went for it, both of us. And it was just like, right, who's gonna get it first? We both knew as we went along that, you know, it wouldn't matter who got it first, really. Of mm. course there'd be the bragging rights up for grabs. <laughs> but you know, when wouldn't there have been the bragging rights up for grabs? Right. But the fact of the matter was we both understood that whatever happened, there would be two of us on the seas. Right. Not just one, but two. And we were just like, that's that's great to be able to say that. And it turned out in the end that I got it uh, the day, like a day before she did. And it wasn't even that much in it. It was a matter of hours rather than a full day, I think. But it was mm. then great to be able to say, hey, look, it's not just me. There's another person as well. Yay! So that was... That was brilliant to be able to be a part of that. And it was all because, not just because of the, the accessibility features, but because of the other non-game related part of accessibility, which is the people who assist you mm -hmm. when you need it. So whether that's people assisting you directly with the game itself in like a single player capacity, as you may have seen on my streams. So with Jenna, with DB, with Gibbon, with anybody else who's worked with me over the years, or whether it's people being in a cooperative sort of team dynamic. So with Gears, there'll be people, you know, handing me ammo if I need it or making sure I can get to the fabricator or Sea of Thieves where it's just a matter of getting me to the helm and then they tell me where to steer and I can do the rest of it. So there's all sorts of puzzle pieces, like fun puzzle pieces at play mm -hmm. uh, with all of that. But it's great to see Rare continuing to, to innovate on that. And even just recently, there was an update uh, to allow riddle maps to read it might not be flawless yet, mm. but it's definitely a great start because I can now say to all the people who are down on the beach wondering about thinking, where's this chest? For goodness sake, I can be saying, you know, go seven paces to your southeast by the big spiky rock on the north side of the island or whatever it happens to be. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got it. And I said, told you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it makes for so many fun stories, see if these. Yeah, you brought up something really cool, and that is often we like to the call out the the toxic gaming communities, but we often forget to mention the positive um gaming communities like like Sea of Thieves. They like that's the one thing that I've always heard is that the the community is very welcoming, and you know it's you know it's just collaborative, and they everybody wants to have fun together, and that's. You know, obviously, we gotta mention that because especially for disabled gamers or chronically ill gamers, you know, it's actually really nice to have that collaboration when we need it. Oh, certainly. I mean, I wouldn't have got through Ragnarok without it. I wouldn't have got through Fallen Order, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order without it. I wouldn't have got through uh, Rise Son of Rome without it. Halo, Gears, Uncharted. Mm -hmm. I could just list off franchises: Doom <laughs> and Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal. Oh. Just the <laughs> well, Doom's just hard in general. <laughs> yeah, but then Doom with a co-pilot when you're both trying to communicate to each other <laughs> as to what's going on, 
you know, I'm having to sort of guess when to shoot or inform my co-pilot that, you know, there's enemies behind us. And they're like, no, there's not. I was like, yes, they are. They're behind us. And then, you know, two two repeats of that later, I'm like, they're behind us. And we turn around, big, giant, scary demon face, just, it's like, oh, no, this is bad. But yeah, I agree. Like, without that assistance, I would not be where I am today. I would not be doing this. Uh, of course, you know, we would all love it if all the games we wanted to play are accessible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we are not there yet. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. we are not there yet. Mm -hmm. And that's the key way, I think, to keep your positivity up. It's just mm -hmm. thinking, you know, you think we're not there. And you're, you're like, oh, well, that's annoying and <laughs> sad and unfortunate. And then you think, yet. And you're like, okay, it's not ideal, but it's good to see progress. You yes. know, if you just said to me, Several years ago now, if you'd have said to me, oh, we'll have an accessible God of War game that you'll need elements of assistance for, or, you know, you will be able to hit eight headshots in a row as a sniper in Gears, I would mm. be thinking, you, what? <laughs> <laughs> but now, Have you played a game before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's one of those things where you get that moment of, wow, you know, th this is amazing to see happen. You know, with games, we're seeing audio description yep. be a thing. We're mm -hmm. seeing navigational assist kind of being a thing to an mm -hmm. extent. We're seeing games just having built-in accessibility via, you know, engine things. So like yeah. Arcade Spirits from a few years ago. It's a very interesting little visual novel. We're seeing genres that previously would have possibly been thought impossible to make work. So point and click, for instance, yes. we've seen two games in a year or in less than a year We've seen Brock the Investigator yes. earlier this year, and now we're seeing Stories of Blossom as of literally the date of this recording, yeah. uh, as in 16th of August 2023, <laughs> appear as an example of how to make a relatively cozy game as well in this instance, you know, accessible. So it's fantastic to be able to see that progression. It's not perfect. It's not flawless. It's not ideal. But we're getting there. Mm -hmm. And the only way we're going to get further along that road is by working together worldwide to make this happen. So remote mm -hmm. consultancy, in-person, any of those methods, you know, play tests, feedback, releasing your demo videos early to show what you're working on and how it's meant to work for improvement suggestions, all sorts of things that, that mm -hmm. could be done to improve the situation as it currently stands. And of course, Shameless plug, joining the Design for Every Game, a player panel, which you can find more info about at rnib.in slash design for every gamer as well, if you are curious. That's awesome. So speaking of consultancy, I'm curious, how did you spin that forward into the work that you're doing? Now, you mentioned you, you had some great connections. You got some stuff from Microsoft and those videos start making the rounds around the company. Um, when did you like spin that forward into actually becoming a consultant? I think, it, I, I suppose it depends on your definition of consultancy as well, because mm -hmm. with these reviews, they were being passed on to, you know, dev teams or, right. mm -hmm. or anybody else who wanted to know anybody else who might be interested. Mm -hmm. When I reviewed, you know, a few games, I, would post the feedback to the devs and say, hey, here's my feedback as a gamer without mm. sight. Let me know if you want to hear anything else from me in terms of thoughts, suggestions, etc." Mm -hmm. 
and you know sometimes that can be enough right and then they they come back to you and they say hey we want you to review these things and it sort of just happened organically i think one of the big catalysts was being able to go out to the states uh being in the uk being able to go out to the states was amazing anyway but going out as part of a winston churchill traveling fellowship in 2017 that was four states in five weeks uh funded by the winston churchill memorial trust so that was la seattle chicago and boston oh wow which was amazing and this was as i said this was 2017 so this was when e3 was still a big thing mm-hmm. and i got to go to the what would have been i think the first public e3 because i think that was the year they opened it up to the public as well oh so, yeah right so i got to go to the microsoft press conference i was in there uh, in that room uh not only that year but the next year as well so when they revealed gears 5 and Halo Infinite, I was in the crowd. Oh, wow. In that audience. <laughs> I have never heard a cheer like it for either of those games. Or the ridiculous reaction to showing Gears Pop on screen, or what we later found out was Gears Pop. And then we're like, Gears, wait, what? As it then turns into like pop vinyls. <laughs> so, but 2017, <laughs> it was great to be able to do that because I got to go and network with people. I got to see Sea of Thieves on the show floor where I got to ask the brilliant question of, as a gamer without sight, what can my role be? You know, what would you say is the best role for me? And I remember one of the devs, there were like three devs in front of me, and one of the devs looked at me and he said, you could always steer the ship. At which point, I just, I couldn't help but laugh, because at that point in time, having not seen the game, it seemed kind of ridiculous, until I then sat down with the game, and they showed me how it worked. And even then, there were haptics for the, the helm i think at that point or it may have just been a matter of they were saying steer left steer right and that still worked mm-hmm. and that still works today being able to just if you're not comfortable with using a lot of complex well not complex but a lot of systems that interweave with each other to navigate so if people don't understand oh this is how many notches are on the wheel or whatever if you're just working with a new crew then mm-hmm. you can say you know just tell me left right straighten up and we can just work it like that and I always remember a funny story from from that play session with two sort of smaller ones. One was that we sailed right through the middle of, I think it was two or three ships all having a fight at once. And we didn't actually, you know, get attacked at all. We just sailed right the way through all the cannon fire, all the, the waves, the storm, everything. Don't know how we managed it, but it was really good fun. <laughs> and not only that, I was uh, seemingly not the most inept pirate there because one of the pirates decided to not only hold the map upside down and try and navigate us, but drunk all the grog as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, embracing the true pirate spirit, I think is what we might call that. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was great being That's able awesome. to network with everybody, uh, you know, see uh, games as they were sort of on show floor uh, demos and things discuss with anybody on the show floor, what my experiences were. And then I got to go and see, actually, Netherrealm. Uh, when I went to Chicago, I went to go and see Netherrealm and Iron Galaxy, mm. uh, who worked on, of course, Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct, which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun and a very interesting set of discussions. Went to see people like Valve as well. That was oh, yeah. very surreal. I have a couple of 
physical souvenirs from that, which I didn't expect to receive. So I've actually wow. got proof that I went into Valve. So, <laughs> because nobody believes me. That it's like it's like uh, the uh, chocolate factory and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's like nobody ever it's goes in, nobody so ever comes true. out. <laughs> Somebody said it to me once, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes total sense." So yeah, uh, Valve, Nvidia. Uh, there's a, a massive report. I got to go and see the three four three museum as well, oh, where wow. they have all the Halo memorabilia. And getting to stand toe-to-toe with an elite costume as well. Uh, so, like, the the giant sort of seven-plus-foot-tall costumes. It just gives you the biggest sense of scale you could possibly imagine. Uh, same as when I held a Lancer when I was at Splash Damage. So, for those of you that can see uh, on the wall behind me, I actually have a gold Lancer uh, from Gears of War, the gold replica one. And holding those things because they are one-to-one scale they are heavy and you don't realize it until they somebody says to you oh do you want to hold this for a photo i'm like yeah sure and you pick it up and you're thinking good lord that's heavy so and that's the thing that's what a lot of companies don't realize accessibility is beyond the game itself it's beyond just the marketing it's beyond having ad in your trailers and alt text for your images it goes to merch as well if Mm. you have a really cool looking character environment item whatever it is making an accessible version whether it's you know 3d printed or as a funko pop or as a you know giant seven like 12 inch 18 inch massive statue kind of figure whatever being able to have a physical hands-on representation of that is brilliant i'm actually going to reach over and and retrieve a prop from the side of me here because i have yeah. in my hands a small about actually it's not too small it's about probably six inches high a little model of bd1 from star wars jedi fallen order oh, it's all wow. 3d printed and it takes That's about 10 nice. hours it's a little online kit card you can download and i've printed about three or four of these off now <laughs> and it's it's brilliant because the, the head moves slightly the the little antennae that are kind of like his ears move slightly the legs move a little and it stands up as well. Like if I wanted to see if I can make him do it, I'm going to try and put him on my hand. I can't actually make it work because it's not flat. But the point being, you can make him stand up. And the point is with that, you get such a good idea. Like the eyes are slightly different. You wouldn't know that unless somebody described it to you. Right. Like each of the lenses of his eyes are slightly different. Or the, the top of his head like has a little rectangular piece on the top of it. If I turn it over so you can, those of you that can see, you can see the head. It's like the, the top of his, his head that's like a sort of flat box with a, a rectangular piece on it as well. That you know, it's so good. Even just being able to have a version like that mm-hmm. is brilliant because it, it gets you into that world like very little else can because you can describe a thing all you want. Right. But that doesn't make it real is the best way I can say it. Right. No, so, that, that's yeah. that's a great point to bring up because it's you know, audio description is great and it gives you an idea of, of what you're viewing. But to be able to have like a hands-on representation, actually kind of like feel the size, all like the little bits and pieces of that yeah, character. Tiny details. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's you know, a great it's, it's point. Brilliant. Yeah. So you, you've mentioned a couple of the games that you've worked on, you know, God of War, Sea of Thieves. Um, but I, I'm more interested, obviously, it's you know, I'm interested to hear what else you've worked on. If you can talk about it, I know there's a lot you can't talk about. Um, 
<laughs> but I'm also really interested in hearing, like, what is your approach in terms of your consultancy? Where, like, how do you approach your job when you're asked to help uh, a, you know, a team to develop these games for gamers? That's a great question. I think one of the key things to acknowledge first is that I don't speak for everybody. Of course. So you know, I may have my ideas of what works, what mm -hmm. doesn't, what mm -hmm. I would like to see improved, what you know, what needs to be adjusted or tweaked but i am not the same as you and mm -hmm. you're not the same as somebody else and somebody else isn't the same as a different person because you know as much as we may have you know as much as me and anyone else may have no sight or whatever degree of vision even if you have the same degree of vision you have your own lived experience to work with 100%. and that's a, always a good thing to acknowledge when you go into a team just to say you know i will say this from the outset i do not speak for everybody uh, but I will give you, you know, my thoughts and opinions and feedback and everything. And that's what you're going to mm -hmm. get from me. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Also as well, of course, being able to, you know, just play a build, you know, as much as being able to, you know, read about a build, hear about it from people while it's in pre-production or whatever is fantastic. And consultants should be hired as early as possible. And as part of the long-term iterative process throughout development and post-launch, of course, that's, you know, goes without saying really. Uh, so that you then avoid retrofitting costs, but that's a whole other discussion. Right. In terms of, you know, as much as you can read about a build, hear about it, you know, watch YouTube videos of demos or whatever, depending on what they've put out by that point. The key thing is being able to actually play a build and potentially even break a build. <laughs> mm -hmm. That happens. You know, we're trying to test that accessibility feature and then you suddenly find, you know, the, the feature is supposedly meant to, let's say, uh, stop you from falling off ledges. And you run forward, and lo and behold, ah, splat. So, okay, right. I fell off a ledge. And they're like, why did that? Okay, that's a good thing to take back to the team. So trying to, you know, as I as I test, I think I, I don't just test for only accessibility stuff. I will try and do as much as I can without assistance as well. But it's always good fun to see, you know, what breaks in a build. And it's, you know, to see how it all fits together, how the accessibility things work and don't work what's missing so for instance uh, god of war ragnarok doesn't have regular attack cues so mm -hmm. sometimes you'll be standing there waiting for a parry and a guy will just come up behind you and tap you in the back and you're like i did not know you were there <laughs> i did not know and the irony of course being that enemy was the final one in the in the entire encounter right which you then which then means you have to do the entire thing all over again mm -hmm. you're like how <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know all of that you know I, there are many stories like that i remember a, a great interaction i had once uh with a developer working on crackdown mm -hmm. before that came out crackdown 3 uh was i went up to, to test a build out and this was on the i think the show floor at e3 and before i'd even got to the like play the demo at all the first thing i heard was right these things are missing these things are missing that's missing that's missing these are being implemented Gotcha. And I was like, wow, yes, this is what I need to know. Because then it saves me so much time because I'm not then feeding back things they are already aware of. I'm not saying, oh, this doesn't have footsteps. Why is the why is there no punch audio for this? Uh, why am I not getting menu narration or whatever it happens to be at the time? Uh, so, you know, that that's a big thing. Also, I've said about acknowledging stuff as well. One of the other things I, I like to acknowledge is that I know that game dev takes time. I know that accessibility takes time mm -hmm. and I know that it's hard, but we want to be as accessible as we can, as soon as we can to as many 
players as we can across the spectrum of sight loss and other disabilities of course come into it but i speak from my perspective as mm -hmm. as having no sight whatsoever so you know if you ask me a question about you know how does this work for visually impaired people i might not be able to answer that but i may be able to direct you to people who may be able to give you the right information right so you know being you know it's always fun to have questions though where you know you can answer it like i had a question from a client once who said oh you know as part of the art department how can we help you and i mm -hmm. essentially turned around and said well you know those figures you make for like you know as part of your licensing make more of those <laughs> just just do that because they're all 3d they will help they allow you to immerse yourself in the world so mm -hmm. yeah that's just that's just a few things but of course it all varies on a case-by-case -case basis and i think that's the final point really that i always acknowledge during consultancy amongst many others is that even if games are in the same genre you know say you've got two racing games side by side mm -hmm. and both of those racing games might need different things because of the way they play because of the way they handle because of the the style of gameplay so if you've got a racing game that's say very much explore the open world find sequences and then that starts a race let's say with audio description with those sequences you know the audio description might be on that game but it might not fit into a more arcadey title mm. where you're just doing track races or it may only fit in in certain elements of it there's all sorts of things to look at as you go uh, right. so yeah hopefully that gives an insight of sorts no thank you for sharing that uh and uh, are you comfortable with talking about like um your setup and like what it is that you know personally for you and your experience with gaming that you, you require to obviously access your work and access these games yeah, yeah when you say setup you mean like hardware software what are you, what are you um, talking? yeah more so like <laughs> on the hardware um like it, are there any particular you know you know devices that you use and then obviously also um maybe some of the like the actual settings on the game software side yeah so i don't require any sort of physical uh adaptations for mm -hmm. for my games mm -hmm. uh, unless of course you count fighting games in which case i built with sighted assistance a couple of custom controllers that i use i don't have any uh, alongside me to show you but they're essentially like hitboxes so all button controllers oh. but the key difference for me is the arrows are very much in a style that you find on a keyboard oh, okay. uh, so you'd find all four together oh, um, wow. and and but they're all circular buttons so they're all arcade buttons oh. and it runs on a oh, brook wow. universal fighting board that is so uh, cool so if, you ever, so if you've ever seen me play killer instinct on stream and you'll have heard the sort of tappy noises as i'm playing those are the buttons from those controllers oh. uh, being hammered into place from <laughs> okay. years of years of memory. But, you know, that that's the closest thing I can think of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of actual controller wise. I, otherwise, I use, hold on, I have props. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I use a dual sense, just a bog standard uh, dual sense. I do actually have a God of War Ragnarok one as well that I haven't uh, nice. got out of its box yet, but I'm planning to use that on a, on a stream in future. I've got mm -hmm. the exact uh you know stream i want to use it on also <laughs> occasionally ps4 uh controller as well depending on what games i'm playing so i have a, an actual ps4 dualshock here mm. uh for say when i'm playing older games or ps4 builds of newer games so when i've tested god of war ragnarok because i'm helping out with a community guide currently courtesy of the wonderful slj mm -hmm. who was uh generous enough to invite me onto the project 
but I use the the PS4 controller sometimes to test out whether haptics work as they should or right. elements like that. And also, of course, the wonderful Xbox Series X controller. There we go. Uh, just a standard one. Most of the time, I do have an Elite kicking around. Uh, I even have a modded one that I bought, one of those uh, button mods where it's all uh, shell casings, which are very interesting. I bought one of those once because I thought I'd just try it and see what it looks like. And I was like, this is a unique little kind of gimmick display controller. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I use lots of different controllers. Software... Well, not software-wise, but game settings-wise, mm-hmm. feature-wise, actually, is probably a, a better way to express it. Mm-hmm. Feature-wise, menu narration is a big win for me. If ever a game has menu narration, it's a huge plus. Uh, navigational assists, so whether that's turning your camera, as in Last of Us, God of War, mm-hmm. uh, or any of those kinds of games, or even, heck, Dead Space. Dead Space did a version of that, as did the original Gears of War all the way back in 2006, though it wasn't perfect because... It would direct you, well, directly, if you'll pardon the pun, to the objective. So if the objective was across the street behind a glass panel, you would slam face first into <laughs> said glass panel rather than going round and across. But essentially, you know, with the, the nav assist thing, that's a, a huge reason for me being able to progress in any game that has it and where it works well. Uh, even if sometimes you need a little assistance with with, you know, from a sighted person to get you through tricky bits where it breaks at least at the moment and we'll hopefully see that improve uh additional audio cues for things like parries blocks dodges even if they're just built into the game so jedi survivor and fallen order actually have an unblockable cube built in which is amazing so i didn't notice it when i first played fallen order and then i started playing it sort of a lot on stream and then i realized is that when the red attacks are coming in and i get confirmed yep and I'm like, oh, that's what that means. So it's always good to be able to to hear those and dodge as you play. It's just like, okay, wee, and just dodge out of the way or get hit by it as well. Sometimes that happens. Even if you have the cues, mm-hmm. you will still get smacked in the face by unblockable red things. Um, and uh, of course, lock on targeting as well. So being yes. able to actually aim and hit your targets. Of course, it'd be good if you could manually aim yourself. But in the absence of that, uh, you know, having lock on is is useful, even just to keep track of mobile targets. Looking at you, Valkyries from God of War 2018, <laughs> or or like bloaters uh, from Last of Us. Because I played, <laughs> I'm not sure if you uh, if you know, but I played Last of Us Part Two on grounded and separately on permadeath oh, and wow. beat both runs, which oh, <laughs> they were. They were interesting to do, but at times they were extremely frustrating. Uh, permadeath was was a very interesting one because I had to run back to uh, try and kill a, a boss multiple times in a row. If I say Rat King to any of you listening <laughs> to this, you will know what I'm on about. The funniest part of that was, and I don't think, and I don't think she'll mind me telling this story. So the wonderful Janissary was doing a blindfolded run of Last of Us Part 2 as her very first playthrough, which is an extremely bold move. Mm-hmm. I've got to admit, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very bold move. And I, I admire the heck out of it. And I I feel like I kind of persuaded her to do it in part, along with a bunch of other people. I was just like, yeah, you can do this, I'm sure. And I'd be happy to help. So, <laughs> But she did it, and she went all the way through wow. and then got to Rat King. And she beat it. There was a, a prediction up, I think, seeing how long it would take her to beat it, how many tries. And people had it up to like 20, 
maybe 10. And she beat it in nine. Wow. And nine tries for Rat King, irrespective of difficulty, is impressive. That's good, considering it has a an attack that can just one-shot you if you're unlucky enough to be close enough to, to have it just get you like that. But then the funny thing was, I was doing my permadeath run, I think it was, and it actually... It only took, it ended up taking me. I was like, I was going through different tries, making notes. So I was like, first few tries, I died before the boss room, or like just as I went in, or whatever. And then the, you know, couple of tries later, I got you know insta killed by the one shot kill attack thing that I mentioned just now. And then I got to try nine, and I was like, well, I got to try like eight. And I was like, can I beat it on this one? And it turned out I did. I beat it on try number eight, and I was like oh how did i manage that so you know all of those features so menu narration nav assist target lock audio cues all of those are present in last of us parts one and two uh, along with audio description of course and if you can have ad in a game that's brilliant stories of blossom we mentioned it earlier does yes. have it too and uh very well put together uh for the the genre i think it's like unless you if you're counting brockets i think only the second game to have done it in like point and click that i can think of anyway uh, off the top of my head so it's great to see all of those things mm-hmm. you know working in and uh, a final interesting one as well adjustable sound outputs so being yes. able to tell your audio where to go so even if that's your uh, crew chat in say Diablo or whatever because I've been playing a fair amount of Diablo 4 with the assistance of other players who are far better than me but it's really good fun being able to just be like these sounds go here this sound goes there that sound goes over in this channel of my go xlr so being able to direct everything so that you know where it is is very very useful indeed though mm-hmm. not necessarily as needed in terms of single player definitely useful in in multiplayer settings but it all varies on a game by game basis as i will keep saying yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, i'm a big nerd when it comes to sound engineering uh audio design because i i, I feel just from you know me and this is obviously just my opinion it's just like I think we we overlook it so much because like some of like the earlier games that I can still play, even though they're completely like inaccessible for me now, just mm. off of the sound design, it's like like Pokemon, like the old school Pokemon games. I can still play through them from start to finish because of the sound design, the the audio cues wow. and things. So it's just like I'm, I'm such a big nerd because you know <laughs> I think we just we don't think of it often as like oh this can help blind people, but it really does. Oh, I mean, that's the thing. I've had conversations with clients and during meetings and all sorts of stuff where I've said, you know, this is like, you know, I I do this thing into this thing into this thing, like in this particular game, whatever it is. And they'll say, how did you know? Mm. And I'm like, because the sound design. And they're like, what sound design? So they don't even realize that the cues are there. (laughs) I'm like, that cue there. So this humming noise Mm -hmm. means there's an energy sword on the floor. And I'm like, how can you hear that through? And I'm like, headphones. <laughs> Not all the time. I do right. actually, what I will say as a fun thing, I do have a full 5.1 surround setup as well, uh, which is very, very good fun to play test on because you don't want to always have to rely on headphones. I do play a lot on headphones on stream and everything as well. And I also use the AV receiver I've got here for that surround setup as what I call a zero latency feed. So for those of you that don't know, when you play through a capture card, when you have the only the audio from that yeah. as your sole source of input, that will have a significant amount of lag. Not 
not too significant, but enough sometimes that it can throw you off. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have a direct connection going through to, say, an AV receiver, you will then hear the audio as the game is, you know, putting it out to you. And that can massively help with things like, you know, parry windows or, or traversal, any number of things where it requires very specific, precise timing to uh, switch over. Uh, so it's, it's good to be able to have a, a connection like that. I mean, you can just do it through your controller, of course, as well. Mm -hmm. But when you're when you're streaming, sometimes that isn't an option, and you need to find other ways to make it work. Yeah, that lag can be the just be the thing that makes you want to just stop yeah. playing the game for a little bit. <laughs> oh, the lag can be the thing that literally ends a run at times. I've had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, runs on like i'm sure i dodged that so i don't i don't rage on stream uh, -huh. uh not to the degree that you know the stereotype exists of people <laughs> raging on stream yeah yeah uh, but i you know i do get frustrated when things i'm just like uh, i remember there's there may even be a clip of it on, on my youtube channel where me and Genesary were fighting sigrun the final optional valkyrie in god of war and god of war 2018 and there was a point where, you know, I was fighting, doing well, and then she just smacks me in the face, uh, Sigrun. And then Genissary comes onto comms and she says, oh, that was so annoying. And I was like, why? And she then just turns to me, looks and says, you had a dancer below one bar. And I'm just like, no! <laughs> <laughs> so like one bar of health or like two bars, whatever it was, it's like a relatively small amount of health down mm -hmm. from a ginormous amount as well mm -hmm. but it's it, yeah it's it's a very interesting thing to look at setups as well because you know we've said about sighted assistance i actually use uh, a titan 2 hang on let me see if i can find it over here there we go so i've got the titan 2 here it's a little rectangular box with usb ports on the front and little micro ones on the back uh, which essentially allows me if you ever use the co-pilot feature Oh, on right. Xbox, which allows you to do simultaneous control uh, from two separate controllers acting as one. Um, the Titan 2 is basically that, but for platforms that don't have Copilot. Mm. So it works on PC, works on Switch. Used it for Breath of the Wild when I streamed it for the first time. That was surreal. Uh, it didn't quite work as planned because haptic issues, but that's neither here nor there. But being able to have that and then have a feed that whoever's watching me can see so that they get the idea of, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is, you know, why, you know, to tell me when to dodge things or to move around in menus if they want to do it manually. So they're like, oh, go down three and hit that because I've said, I want to select this thing. Mm -hmm. And if there's no narration, they'll be like, go down three, hit this thing. And like, okay, that's cool. So you have to put a certain amount of confidence into whoever's assisting you. But by the same token, the fact that they can then just watch you and assist directly via indirect methods mm -hmm. is uh, is great though of course not everybody can make that work with you know parsec because it's not an accessible piece of software currently so i've been trying to see if they'll get it to change that for years or you know through discord screen share not everybody has the the internet or the capabilities to make that work but mm -hmm. you know hopefully as we go forward we won't need any of that because games will just be becoming more accessible out of the box which is i think what we're gradually starting to see yeah uh, so th this is just more a question of, of of opinion for you um but when you're working with clients like is there anything that that you notice that sometimes maybe developers don't always 
think of in terms of accessibility features? Uh, again, just a question of yeah, opinion yeah, yeah. for you. No, I get you. I think sometimes it's a matter of not necessarily overlooking specific features, mm -hmm. but sometimes we'll, there'll be an idea, you know, I'll just think, I'll just say a thing during a, a conversation like, oh, it'd be really cool if, you know, I could do this or I'd propose like a, a fictional scenario. It's like, what if as I run over to this guy, there's a queue for a takedown prompt? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, that'd be good. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's not necessarily that they've overlooked it deliberately or even just you know, with any knowledge that they've done it, mm -hmm. they will just, it's mostly just ignorance mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better mm -hmm. way of phrasing it. And that's what a lot of accessibility boils down to sometimes, just dispelling ignorance. That's why I stream. Mm -hmm. That's why I put my videos up on YouTube. That's why I do my reviews. And that's why I, I'm willing to talk to pretty much anyone who's willing to listen about accessibility. If you're a developer, a consultant, uh, you know, who, who wants to learn about gaming without sight or, you know, a publisher, and you want to get that perspective firsthand, I am happy to help. And I know there are others who are willing to do the same as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I feel like it's mostly, it's not necessarily features. Audio description's a fun one because there's always, you know, concerns around, you know, how much extra work is it going to be? And then I'm like, you've already got a script. So you can just <laughs> use that as a starting point. You know, you've already said Joel shoots a zombie in the face or whatever <laughs> it is. Or, you know, Ellie grabs a pipe and stabs it through a, a different pipe i don't know and you know you've got these you've got these elements there that you can use as a basis to then research and learn about how would we craft this um also as well though, i think one of the one of the fun ones is alt text yeah. uh, alt text is a marketing tool because i have seen that if i had uh even a even like a penny for every time i'd seen uh, an image with no alt text gaming or otherwise I would be extremely rich. We would all be and rich. If you don't know what... <laughs> but I don't know if, if you don't know what all text is, it's alternative text. And it's basically uh, text transcriptions of what's in an image. So for instance, you could say, you know, image of Joel looking out over a, over a city, you know, surrounded by weird looking mushrooms. I don't know. Just whatever it happens to be at the time. Or yeah, right. you know, image Marcus Phoenix, uh, Stand, you know, bearded Marcus Phoenix, a, a bearded man in armor, stands holding a, a lancer, a an assault rifle style gun with a chainsaw on the end. Like, there's all sorts of stuff you can do to make that marketing work. I want to shout out the uh, wonderful team at Rebellion who work on Sniper Elite, mm. who do alt text even for their sort of meme slash joke slash cultural engagement posts. They did one for Barbie recently, <laughs> and it was like a pink sort of tinted I, I i have to find the the image itself but the the alt text description was brilliant and um, partly because they described it and they said as part of it terms and conditions are that it's not available and it was like a, <laughs> a barbie sniper elite doll or something that'd and, be awesome and it described that and it was just like that's brilliant and you know so you know xbox do it as well a lot of the time as well um i've seen i think the god of war twitter account started doing it a while ago there, there's all sorts of companies working on it too and uh, but i think a lot of companies don't realize how powerful that is or how impactful it is when it isn't there because if you just see the word image or right. link graphic image depending on your screen reader then you don't see anything at all so it could be an important message regarding development of blah 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 game 2025 and the message could say blah 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 game 2025 
it's been under development it's been hard you know really really well put together uh we want to announce that the release date is now today mm -hmm. i don't know instead of like two years later but if that's just contained in an image with no alt text you're going to have no idea it's just right. going to be link like an important message on the state of blah 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 game 2025 link graphic image right and then however many thousands of replies and that is it Mm -hmm. So having alt text, having audio description for your trailers as well, all of those things are, are massively crucial because they don't just help people who can't see as well. So, for instance, you can read the alt text uh, when you hover over an image, I think it is. So if people can't see clearly what's in the image and they want to know, you know, why not just give the ability for them to just hover over it and read what's in there? Or mm -hmm. if, say, they're not watching a trailer on a very good screen and they want to make sure they get all the details, mm -hmm. just turn the AD on for the trailer. Mm -hmm. Just have a version with audio description there. And, you know, make sure, I think the, the biggest one that I've neglected to mention is make sure that you publish your accessibility information as far in advance of launch as yes. possible. Yes. Yes, and please. <laughs> I'm not talking. I'm not talking like a week before. I'm not talking like the day of the game's release. I'm talking, you know, months before if you can. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. you know, for God of War Ragnarok, admittedly, the information wasn't fully complete, mm -hmm. but we had an idea of what was going to be in there mm -hmm. from May 2022. The game came out in November. Like that's a good you know, seven or so months or like, you know, it's a good while of having that information there. And I'm glad we're starting to see people releasing information as it becomes available accessibility wise, but it needs to become a standard practice mm -hmm. to release it, you know, as soon as it's there while you're working on it as well. If you want people to help or suggest improvements, give those opportunities worldwide as part of those informational releases, you know, say, here's what we've got so far. Uh, you know, we want consultants, playtesters, whatever. There, there's options there as to how you can make that work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there, there's a lot there to, to look at. But I think alt text, audio description, and, uh, you know, transparency. Mm -hmm. They're not features necessarily, but they are elements of implementation that I think are often unintentionally, I will I will give credit where credit's due, they're often unintentionally overlooked. So no, it'll be are... interesting to see how the landscape changes. Those are all great points because, you know, if, if you... Sometimes we just think about the game, but we don't think about the entire process as a whole. Exactly. Like the, the marketing, um, the media, um, just the listing of like what's going to be in the game. Those those are all great points to bring up. And, uh, you know, those are sometimes things that even I forget um, to keep in mind because that, you know, sometimes we just focus like, I just want to know about the game, but you, you forget there's, <laughs> there, there's much more that just goes into it than just the game itself. You're just laser focused. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that there are events that don't have audio description in their trailers still, mm -hmm. I'm not going to name names or anything. I just, there are definitely lots of events where they don't have AD for the trailers when they could, oh, and yeah. arguably they should. Uh, so it'd be good to see that change for, for instance, as well. Because it's, you know, the marketing isn't just what the publishers or developers do from their side. It's all about what, you know, other events do. So say E3, for instance, the reason I enjoyed E3 uh, watching it, even when I couldn't attend in person, was being able to just enjoy it alongside everybody else. So when they showed, you know, a campaign trailer for Halo Infinite, for instance, and they had all the 
paid E for it. I think they may have put it up later, but I got to sit there and watch it. And I was like, this is great. I love this. Or um, for, I know the Ubisoft events have done it. I know a couple Mm -hmm. of other ones have done it as well, but it's a matter of being able to then get that same level of engagement. So you and I can sit there, watch a reveal, see a game we're really excited about and be like, oh my God, they've done the thing after 25 years, the, Mm -hmm. the franchise of whatever it is has come back like amazingly from nowhere so <laughs> it's all about engagement involvement and inclusion yeah there we go there's a <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah it's it, it, cuz you know that's my biggest thing is like i love watching all of like the press conferences the you know the you know like the showcases and, yeah. and I love to watch them, but there are some where it's like I know in advance. Like, I'm just gonna wait till the event's over and so and so publication. Just read up on it afterwards. Exactly. Like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, it, I totally get that. It, but you know, if people are like, okay, you still get to know what's. It's like it's not the same sort of excitement no. I would get if I was to watch it live and know. I mean, like the like the the Snake Eater trailer from mm-hmm. uh, from PlayStation Showcase, just as a, an example. Of that kind of thing. So me, uh, Gibbon, one of the people who works with me as a, as a co-pilot and collaborator, and Dukesy, who's a long-time uh, friend of mine, Killer Instinct sparring partner, Gears player, a- any number of other things as well in terms of what he ends up playing and what he's introduced me to over the years games-wise. We were all sitting in the in the in a Discord lobby watching watching it happen, and Gibbon was very generously being our audio describer for it, and. You know, he said, you know, this is happening, this is happening. None of us had twigged what the game was. And then the music came in. Yeah. And I just I just looked and I my my jaw dropped. I was just like, no way. <laughs> and and I think we all then realized we were just like, wait, that, no, that what the what? <laughs> so it that was a, a great moment to to be there. And then of course, you know, Spider-Man 2, like we knew. I think we knew that day Spider-Man 2 was going to happen. Yeah. But then it was like, like we saw the trailer, like no real, I don't know if there was an introduction for it, but we saw the trailer and we were like, how does this figure into, oh, wait, what? You're... Whoa, that's cool. That's fun. <laughs> Spider-Man 2, let's go. So there's, there's definitely a social element of it. But mm-hmm. if I don't have any friends who are online at the time or locally or whatever, say I'm a person who is interested in games and I'm the only one in my area. Mm-hmm. what then what happens mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. probably nothing and i end up having to scroll endless threads trying to figure out either what's been revealed what hasn't been revealed watching the discourse unfold and i'm not able to be a part of it it's a it's a massive thing that's still being looked into i'm glad to see it improving though with audio described trailers uh yeah. becoming a thing more commonly and event audio description becoming more mm-hmm. common as well yeah but it's still it's still a long way to go yeah all right, so we've talked a lot about work. Let's talk a little bit about play, <laughs> because I know you know all work, no play makes you a you know a dull consultant. <laughs> so <laughs> let's oh, talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about some of the games that are coming out here in the next couple of months, or maybe you know the next year or so that you are excited about. Because I know there's a, honestly for gamers of all you know, experiences, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, Stories of Blossom, of course, is coming out today. I haven't played it in terms of the full version. I've played the various demos that have come out over the years. I'm actually really excited for that because 
I'm I may play a lot of action combat games and things, but two things. One, there aren't enough accessible action combat games, uh, personally at least. And two, uh, I you know sometimes you just need to wind down. You need a cozy game, mm-hmm. and Stories of Blossom, as far as I understand, is going to be that cozy game at least for a little while. Uh, so that I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be good. And of course, we've got Forza coming out in October. That's going to be very interesting to see how that plays firsthand. Mm-hmm. Because I've, you know, the fact of the matter is, all we've seen is, you know, a career walkthrough, you know, some accessibility footage as as a part of a longer form video discussing how it works. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've actually seen a full race yet showing all, all mm-hmm. how everything works, that kind of thing. So it'll be really interesting to see how, how all the puzzle. Uh, elements fit together or the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. for that mortal kombat one of course september that's going to be very interesting to see what they do that, for accessibility <laughs> for that that broke twitter and i'm still going to call it twitter but that that recently just broke twitter <laughs> with that announcement like uh, it just all my feed was that day when uh carlos you know made the announcement was just mortal kombat everything and i was just like <laughs> this this is basically taking over the the internet right now or, or at least your corner of the internet, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but, my corner. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I've I'm not massively into. I'm, I'm I like Mortal Kombat. It's good, mm-hmm. but I'm not massively into it. Mm-hmm. But this has ignited my interest at least to see what's been done because mm-hmm. I played the stress test of MK1, and I wasn't massively uh, enthralled by it because it seemed like MK11 with a new coat of paint, Mm -hmm. but they have improved the movement, I think, so they've said. And, uh, you know, of course, the accessibility stuff wasn't announced back then. We weren't sure what was going to be happening. So it's it's gone from a, I'm not too sure about this, to I've pre-ordered it and we'll see what happens. (laughs) So, yeah. How quick um, it changes. Well, I mean, this is what we say, right? Accessibility PR, Mm -hmm. transparency, Mm-hmm. And uh, you know engagement and all of that can give you increased sales. You know increased accessibility leads to increased sales. I've been saying it for years, and I will keep saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because we've had a, you know, we've had other news that will likely come up on your podcast in in future that hasn't been fully able to be confirmed yet mm-hmm. around a different game releasing in October, <laughs> <laughs> which is going to be very interesting to see how that unfolds mm-hmm. and. Uh, Rest assured, you know, I, I it will be very interesting to see what discussions you and I have around that time when that particular game releases. If you're wondering what game it is, Spider-Man 2 is what yeah. we're talking about. Yes. Uh, I would suggest going and doing your own research to see what has uh, happened in terms of the, the news because it's all a little uh, sort of tentative at the minute, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that will be, I am honestly, if we get a fully accessible superhero game, doesn't matter if it's Spider-Man, doesn't matter if it's Wonder Woman, because I'm very excited for Wonder Woman when that yes. comes out. Yeah. Um, because partly because the wonderful Mila Pavlin, uh, amazing individual uh, who works as part of the Ragnarok team, uh, is working on Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, if you know, if Wonder Woman is fully accessible and they take a lot of the learnings from Ragnarok, we could see, you know, highest level, like hardest level gameplay from that as well. I would be I would be totally up for that if they if they produce a game that I can play hardest difficulty level, no assistance needed start to finish. I think that's the end goal for a lot of games. I want to see games where I can sit down, 
pick up a controller. If I want to push myself through on the hardest possible level, mm-hmm. I can. There is mm-hmm. nothing stopping me. Give me God of War. I did it because right. mm-hmm. you know, I said, I said, why did I not do? You know, I said, why did I do it? I don't understand. I do understand, but it still inwardly baffles me at times to think about. <laughs> the reason I did it was because I thought there's this accessibility, you know, all these accessibility features compared to the previous game. How far can I push these? Mm-hmm. You know, just how well is it going to work when I'm facing down a traveler? So a big enemy with loads of armor, very, very uh, rapid attacks, even though they look uh, slow moving, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Or, you know, getting into giant boss fights with loads of stuff on the screen. How much is the game going to let me do? And that was why I started it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next game that lets me do that is because before it was last of us part two then it was ragnarok what game is going to be the next one mm-hmm. that i can actually do uh a similar thing with you know i'm i'm disregarding the fact that i had to get sighted assistance for ragnarok from that equation the point is i even you know felt like doing it because the accessibility was there to help mm-hmm. and like back me up yeah but yeah um i think the other games were starfield i'm curious i'm not <sighs> Not necessarily. I, I'm. I'm. How can I best describe this? I, I'm not. I'm nervous. That's how I would right say. One. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yes. <laughs> I, I would agree with you on that. Nervous is a good way to describe it because Starfield has so much potential. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, but you know, we've seen uh, the, the issue is it's been in development so long that we can't be sure. Yeah. So we will just have to see when you know, when that release rolls around or when impressions start coming in, because I know there's been a lot of sort of concern around that game's accessibility or, or lack yeah. of information, I guess. But I know yeah. the team, I, I know the teams uh, sort of at Bethesda, at Microsoft, whatever, are looking at accessibility for various projects. So it's not like it's not necessarily being considered. It's just a matter of how much are they able to do in the time they've got, mm-hmm. which is a whole other discussion. <laughs> Right, and I think that goes for most developers. Really, it's not like sometimes they don't want to learn or they're not considering it. Sometimes it's they hear about it so late that they can't even implement it, even if they want to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other games. Hades two, that'll be an interesting oh, one. I almost forgot about Hades two. Yeah, so did I until I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, no, because Hades, the original Hades, was accessible via mods mm-hmm. and pretty good mods as well. Like not necessarily. Uh, not, they weren't perfect in their original iterations, but they are very useful now. And they allow you to essentially teleport around the map to get to various places. And admittedly, there's a couple of places it doesn't necessarily work in, but it, it works well. And I've cleared the game several times with various runs of that, and even on stream as well. Uh, and it's a, it's a very, very fun game. And it's usually relatively cheap on Steam, um, as is Slay the Spire. That's a fun game with mods as well. Yeah. Um, though there isn't a sequel to that coming out, which would be interesting if there were. Was um, it like the first big game from the Hades team? Was it a Bastion, if I remember correctly? Yes. yes I, rem- Bastion, I remember I playing that on my phone back in the wow. day. Yeah. I've never played Bastion, but supposedly it's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, might be one to unearth onto a stream at some point. But yeah, in terms of other games, I can't think of anything mm-hmm. off the top of my head other than maybe being interested in what might happen accessibility wise for the new Metal Gear stuff. Sorry, Metal Gear stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, we've seen accessible games done with stealth and everything. We've seen that. But we haven't seen anything in terms of what like 
a fully stealth game can do, like or a game that lets you do full stealth, uh, could do from you know the Metal Gear side of things. So it'll be that'll be a curious one to keep an eye on, I think. But there's there's a lot of games to be excited about, and I think we're only just getting started. Oh, one final one I forgot to mention: Spice Marine. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's the unwritten rule. You have to say it like that. It's 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 not Warhammer 40k Space Marine Two. It's Warhammer 40k Spice Marine Two, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and that's going to be interesting because that's got co-op play. I believe that's already been confirmed. Um, and of course, accessibility has moved on a lot since uh, the original game released, all the way back in 2011. Ooh, oh wow. my god, I forgot it's been uh, that long. The only reason I know is because I played it on stream relatively recently and had an absolute blast with it, <laughs> even though I needed assistance. It was very good fun because there was actually a snap aim on it to an extent. So mm. you could aim roughly near a target and then aim like ADS and it would snap you sort of into it if you were lucky enough and then take shots. And I'm like, Am I hitting things? Yes, I am. Good. And then you just hear, Wah! and you're like, oh no, there's more of you. <laughs> more orcs. But yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot to be excited about. And of course, whatever Naughty Dog does next with um, Last of Us 2 multiplayer or whatever they end up deciding to call it, call it and their next project as well, which yeah. speculation dictates it might be a fantasy thing from the poster that I was believe put into Last of Us Part 1, the remake, replacing an original piece. If I'm remembering my my endless scrolling and scrolling of various various uh, threads and things uh, correctly. But yeah, the, the, what, what about you? What are you excited about? Are there any I've missed? Uh, I mean, you mentioned Stories of Blossom, you know, obviously. Yep. You know, I I got I got the the amazing opportunity to interview um Connor uh, from Software Studio on, on the podcast uh, a year ago. Uh, that's how long I've been following the game. So this is definitely <laughs> something that I'm really excited about. And obviously, you know, at that point, I was just more so looking for like, oh, uh, you know, who are some people I should be following? You know, keeping an eye <laughs> out. You know, you know, and then. Uh, stumbled upon soft leaf studio i'm just like oh this is cool yeah. and then I, I read you know their steam page and i'm like oh my god you're like this look could at, actually be accessible i'm wow. like look at look what at all is. these options <laughs> <laughs> i know right and the fun fact is i'm actually in the credits for that as well that's awesome. so uh yeah i got the opportunity to uh to be a part of of that game uh which was amazing because i was just sitting there like this is cool. I can play a game that feels like a sort of late 90s LucasArts thing. And I was just like, this is great. I love this. And then I'm like, give me a proper full-on dark, gritty sci-fi one of these. <laughs> yeah. Which would be very, very cool. But yeah, you never know. I mean, the good thing is the learnings from all of these games, whether it's, you know, your your Stories of Blossom, your Mortal Kombat 1, your your Forza, your you know, yeah. any number of other games, they all get taken forward and progressed, you know, to, to varying degrees in other projects. And that's the great thing about it. Accessibility is all about knowledge sharing, collaboration, engagement, involvement, all of those kinds of words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's great to see that happening. So it's good because if anyone else ever says to me, is there a point and click that's accessible that we could use as a reference? I'm like, yeah, there's two now. <laughs> oh yeah, gotta also so, shout out Brock because that yeah. is an amazing game, and especially since it is also available on Switch. Um, 
you know yeah i won't open the pandora's i won't open the pandora's box when it comes to my feelings on nintendo because obviously i love them but i am also (laughs) you know frustrated with them a little bit but that's a very important game because you know it's an example of what can be brought to that platform if they allow it yeah well agreed and also what could be brought to the platform if there was native support for other things as well Mm -hmm. like there's there's definitely a, a a bigger discussion that could be had there i know a lot of people have expressed uh frustration but we're not gonna as, as you yeah. say we're not gonna go into that but it's it's yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how the landscape shifts as well of course uh, i know we've mentioned a bunch of games here already but even thinking about stuff like the ioi bond game that i keep seeing mentioned every so right. often mm-hmm. uh, because of course you know they've done accessibility elements of work on hitman uh as a, as a trilogy we've seen that kind of happen occasionally but then it's a question of they're now developing a whole new game and, you know, in a time where accessibility is essentially standard, mm-hmm. what are we going to see? You know, mm-hmm. what's going to happen there? Because imagine fully accessible Bond game. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That... That, that, just, that just excites me no end. Like, you know, Uncharted would be good. Indiana Jones, of course, if that comes out to be accessible, that'd be great as well. But an accessible Bond game, like that, that's just as good as well uh personally i'm I'm very interested because of course you've got stealth and like guns blazing approaches mm-hmm. potentially to bond so it'll be good to see how they manage to if they manage to make that work in terms of accessibility that of course we'll be waiting a while for news on that yeah but exciting indeed uh, yeah. what a time we live in oh and speaking of what a time we live in <laughs> tekken 8 we were saying about fighting oh games. there we go nearly That's forgot right. to mention tekken 8 that's the most excited I've been for a fighting game since Killer Instinct, probably. Maybe. It's crazy um, because... how many fighting games are coming out. Well, it's because Tekken 8... So Tekken as a franchise, we mentioned it briefly earlier, mm-hmm. has mono audio as a kind of staple, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Um, you know, Even up to Tekken 7 that released a few years ago, that, that has mono audio for... And we're talking specifically for combat SFX. The 1994 arcade game of Tekken, I think it was 94, had, yeah. you know, had a stereo element to parts of its combat, but it wasn't enough that you could use it for spacing, at least to the best of my inference, having never played the arcade original and just watching long plays and things on, on YouTube. It doesn't seem like it would have helped. But Tekken 8 has brought itself right up to date uh, into the modern age in terms of stereo, uh, because even from the first trailers, me and Jixi were looking at each other like, hold on. Is this fake or is this full like stereo? <laughs> and then we saw another trailer and another trailer and another trailer. And it was like, these are all stereo. This is not like just camera work. This is actual full on stereo. And then of course we saw the the gameplay from like the first impressions from various YouTubers. Um, speaking of which, getting disabled content creators involved in your marketing is a brilliant idea. Mm. And I'm always up to be involved in those kinds of things if they're if there's ever any interest, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, but you know, then we saw that, then we saw the closed network test. And I'm just thinking, I am honestly really excited about Tekken 8. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be, well, I mean, Mortal Kombat 1 has the potential to be really, really good fun mm-hmm. as a casual thing mm-hmm. for me, because I'm not necessarily into getting into competitive Mortal Kombat. I mean, I'm always happy to change my mind later if it turns <laughs> out that I can and I feel comfortable about it but tech and i who knows like right. i am that there's it looks very smooth looks very fun and 
I mean, the soundtrack might not be to everybody's taste. I like the way it fits in. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious to see how that game works out when it hopefully releases sometime next year, at least as the, the speculation. But yeah, that that's it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to stop trying to think of games now because we'll be we'll be here for a long time. <laughs> I, I guess what just gets me excited is like when, you know, so it was awesome when the Game Awards announced that they were going to be doing an innovations and accessibility category because um, that was awesome to see like, okay, it's cool yeah. to get that acknowledgement from, you know, a huge, some would say probably the biggest, you know, award show for gaming, you know, whatever you want to believe. But it, yeah, it was just what, what nice. It, yeah. it was nice to get that recognition. But now it's just like what excites me is like, it's becoming super competitive now in that category. Cause like this year alone, I mean, we're, we're going to have trouble deciding ooh, this year. Like, I know. Cause there's no, it's good because there's no one clear winner. Mm-hmm. So for the first time they did it, Last of Us, you right, know, that was God the War, obvious winner. Um, like, <laughs> well, yeah, and then and then God of War, arguably, I I would agree with that in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, the the logic of it. Personally, I I understand, uh, you know, that I don't think there was necessarily a reason given, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, in my mind, the, the improvement from 2018 to to Ragnarok definitely, you know, makes you you understand why it's why it won it to an extent, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know now we've got. I, I'm not even going to try and list all the games because otherwise we'll be here for a while. But we've got so many potential games mm-hmm. that could be, you know, winners of this or because, uh, yeah, it's it's arguably not like it's a tough award to judge because of course accessibility is all subjective. Because mm-hmm. I've spoken to people who say, oh, memorizing menus, you know, all of that. Once you get it set up, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking. But why do we have to worry about setting it all up with, you know, all this memorization? What if you accidentally screw it up kind of thing? Right. You know, all, all of that. So that, it, it depends on, like, where you're coming at it from at times. I agree. Sometimes there are games where it's like, oh, it's no big deal once you've done it. <laughs> uh, and, that, you know, sometimes that happens, but mm-hmm. not all games are like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even if you have cited help, that won't necessarily help, pun intended. And so, yeah, it all depends on, what assistance you've got, what assistance you haven't got, what workarounds you're comfortable using. So accessibility is very subjective in that regard, and you will you won't be able to necessarily cater to everybody. But I've always said about, or recently rather, I've started saying about designing upwards rather than designing downwards. What I mean by that is, if you put features in that are going to assist people with no vision, so menu narration, audio description, navigational assists. Those features can help those people and anyone above it. Mm. So anyone above that level of vision. So if you're sitting far away from the screen because your room just doesn't accommodate you sitting closer, mm-hmm. but you can still see it, you know, but you're not sure where to go, navigational assist, that'll help mm-hmm. you. Or audio description because you can't see what's going on because your screen's cracked or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of potential things. Because, you know, it's like the old subtitles thing of, you know, if you don't want to make noise to wake the baby up, put the subtitles on. Or if you've got a broken arm, you can, you know, modify your controls so that you can play better. Or if you've had, say, eye surgery, you know, you want to still be able to play, you should still be able to play via the accessibility options. So, or the elements that, you know, increase accessibility, whether they're, you know, actual settings or audio cues or whatever they are. So there's a whole discussion to go around as to what makes a game 
accessible. But everybody's going to give different answers. Uh, but you're right, Game Awards-wise, it's going to be very interesting to see who takes that that trophy home mm-hmm. this year and, you know, how, how much of a... <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see whether it's a platform exclusive that wins it or if it's a multi-plat. There's all sorts of permutations here. It's I mean, there's be some indies out there time. that are maybe worthy of consideration too. Oh, most certainly. Um, I mean, Stories of Blossom, Brock the Investigator... Uh, there's probably others I'm I'm forgetting, but they're the two that come to mind off the top of my head. But yeah, there's a lot to think about with that. It's going to be a very cool, very cool ceremony. I think that one. Yeah. So in, in you know, and this this will be the last question. We'll wrap it up on this one. Um, it's an exciting time for accessibility, and it's an exciting time for gamers that need accessibility to make it you know an inclusive experience for them. Because you know Xbox whole like kind of model nowadays is when we all play we all win yeah when everybody plays we all win yeah absolutely so it's an exciting time and there may be gamers with lived experience who kind of want to get into this and you know start to understand how can i have my voice and my lived experience be a part of the work that's going in so i know this is probably a question you get asked a lot um and you probably have (laughs) numerous TED talks on it. Um, but for those who are interested in doing consultancy work, what are some tips that you would give to those who want to start out? I don't have a TED talk, at least not yet, <laughs> but, uh, but I appreciate the, uh, the confidence in that. Uh, I would say the advice I would give is it's going to be hard. You know, sometimes you won't get responses from people if you do try and reach out. Um, sometimes you'll get people saying no, arguably that's better than them saying nothing. Yes, <laughs> uh, but, you know, put your well, no, yeah. Because the thing is, I've I've had people I've wanted to talk to, and I'm like, hey, can I discuss things? And then it's like, well, don't hear back. Okay, fine. Right. Yeah, uh, just hope. Yeah, you're just wondering. <laughs> I, you're just you're just thinking maybe it will happen. I don't right. know. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the key thing to remember is, you know, put your feedback out there, but be constructive about right. it. So mm-hmm. don't just say this sucks. Say, you know. Uh, I'm not a fan of this because or like I feel this could improve mm-hmm. with these suggestions. So I remember getting told once there's a difference between uh, being critical and critiquing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm remembering it correctly, being critical is just saying this is bad. And <laughs> critiquing it is basically saying, you know, this this is bad or this could be improved, you know, mm-hmm. because or whatever. Right. So it's giving that that constructive reasoning. So, you know, if I were to play a, a build of a game, let's say, and there's a navigational assist implementation. I'm like, I, I won't say this navigational assist is bad. The full stop, that's it. I would say, you know, this navigational assist has a few issues because, you know, uh, when I'm trying to navigate this particular area after this puzzle, uh, you know, I needed certain assistance to get through it because it was turning me around in circles. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. Giving that feedback to development teams can be vital but making sure you phrase it correctly mm-hmm. uh, so that it's not just sort of, for lack of a, a better description, hate fueled, which right. is what I was going for. Aggressive. But you know what I mean? Like the, the, the frustration, like you can be frustrated at it, but channeling that is not necessarily a good idea um, <laughs> in, when you're trying to engage with uh, developers, large or small. And yeah. Uh, yeah, being able to do that, like also just reach out to companies and see if they're interested in you know hearing your your opinions on it uh, ask if they'll offer review codes all sorts of stuff like i've had clients before where i've reached out 
and they've said, oh, we don't do X, Y, Z. I reach out a few years later and they say, oh, yeah, we'll send you a thing. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, cool. Okay. Because sometimes things will change. Right. Uh, in terms of like, you know, the, the, the not the policies, but the sort of structures or, or the way things work, all that kind of stuff. But just be aware that it, it won't be easy. Put your content out there in whatever format you feel suits you. So stream, YouTube, blog, Twitter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh you know tiktok whatever you decide to work with under you know what limitations you have and what you feel you can work with and you know throw it to people like me so if you say to me if you if you say chad you were starting to get into this and you came to me and you said oh uh you know i've found this game this game looks really cool and i'm like ah that's cool i haven't heard about that i'll go and have a look and then i'm like oh this is really amazing this person like threw me the suggestion i had a look so it's Sometimes just about being willing to share the knowledge as well mm. uh, between between each other, mm. and uh, you know pu putting it out there, throwing you know tips to people, and just you know if if I come to you then and say, oh I saw you were playing this game, how are you doing it? Right. You know go through with you know go through and clarify with me. Oh I needed assistance. I needed uh, OCR optical character recognition, which basically just takes a picture of the screen and extracts what text it can from an image even if there is no text so <laughs> that's a fun one but you know whatever workarounds you're using whatever setup you're using uh all of that so th there's lots of options as to how you approach it i think is a good way to look at it mm -hmm. um and you know that i i'm always willing to assist where i can in terms of in terms of maybe opportunities and things if i ever see an opportunity come up mm -hmm. uh, and equally as well if i if i may plug <laughs> if i may plug here absolutely um, if you want to if you want to find out about what rnib is doing in the gaming space as well uh i would recommend you uh, uh, like including the design for every gamer initiative which again a rallying cry to the industry uh to promote you know accessibility for people with you know across the spectrum of sight loss and also you know give people opportunities avenues both on the industry side and the, on the consultancy or user side as well if you want to find out any anything about that email gaming at rnib.org.uk uh that's the place where you know where all the all the queries go and uh we will respond as and when to to those to uh help everything move forward and progress <laughs> things well selfishly i'm gonna have to say i'll probably have to send an email to to, to that mailbox because i definitely would be interested <laughs> myself <laughs> and i don't blame you you are not the first to say that <laughs> nor, nor will you be the last also if you want to find me on socials as well i might as well do this now you can find me on twitch twitter and on youtube as sightless combat s-i-g-h-t-l-e-s-s-k-o-m B-A-T. And you can also find my various accessibility reviews and other content at www.sightlesscombat.com as well. Awesome. You beat me too, Al. I was just about to say, please plug yourself because I want people to know where to find you, where to view your content, and you know how to get in touch with you. Because obviously the thing that I've learned by talking to individuals like yourself is you're, you're so willing to answer our responses and allow us to ask you guys questions and you know that that means a lot to gamers like myself and everyone else because it's awesome to be able to pick your your brains and you know and hear what you're thinking 
I'm just glad I can help. I'm always <laughs> happy to assist. As I say, I'm always happy to assist pretty much anyone who's willing to listen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, regardless of where you are in the world, uh, you know, whether you're in the States, whether you're UK, whether you're anywhere else, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I've been to to Germany, to Slovakia, did a couple of presentations there, went to, you know, the Netherlands for Guerrilla Games. That was amazingly good mm-hmm. fun. Been to the States a few times, been to Paris for conferences, all sorts of places. And, you know, if you're ever interested in engaging firsthand in terms of a perspective or anything, do feel free to reach out and ask, and I will be glad to assist where I can. And even if I can't give you an answer myself, I will try my best to direct you to a person that can provide you the information you need. And I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about this. Always fun to share the accessibility stories. It's always good to, you know, have those anecdotes and be like, I beat Ken Lobb and he's got full sight in KI. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it happens to be, you know, whatever your fun accessibility stories happen to be. Yeah. So I really appreciate you taking the time to put this together and uh, raise awareness of accessibility uh, through your platform uh, of choice. Very much appreciate it. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. And uh, I just appreciate you giving me this time today. It's been awesome to talk to you uh, and just hear your thoughts and opinions. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Chad. And uh, do you reckon this will be the only time we do this? I reckon with the amount of games we discussed, I don't think it will be. <laughs> no, I would love to do more of this with you, my friend, if that is possible in the future. <laughs> Well, we'll have to wait and see. All <laughs> thank right. you so much. Well, until then, take care and thank you so much for being on today's episode. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody, that is it for today's episode. I want to thank Sightless Combat again for coming on the show today. That was a lot of fun. And I hope you guys enjoyed. Hey, if you know anybody that you think would enjoy today's episode, uh, recommend it. Recommend the show. We're on Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's the Unsighted Radio. Just make sure that when you recommend the show to people that you tell them Unsighted, it's spelled U-N-S-Y as in Yankee, T-E-D, the Unsighted Radio. Would love to have you become a member of the Unsighted Army. Also, if you want to follow me on social media, I am on Twitter. It will always be Twitter. It's at Unsighted Radio. It's all one word, at Unsighted Radio. And I'm also on Facebook, the Unsighted Radio. One more time, Unsighted. It is spelled U-N-S-Y as in Yankee, T-E-D, the Unsighted Radio. Please don't ever feel uh, afraid to poke me or DM me, message me on social media. Would love to get in contact with you. And if you ever want to send me a message directly, send me an email at cmbalton. That's C as in Chad, M as in Michael, B as in boy, O-U-T-O-N at yahoo.com. Would love to talk to you. And if you ever have questions for my guests, I'll pass them along for you myself. Anyways, that's it for today's episode. Thank you again to my guest, Sightless Combat, and thank you guys again for supporting the show. Until we meet again, take care, guys.